We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Roots podcast. This is episode 174 of the pod alongside Matt Rooney. I'm Joe Musso and we cannot call it a victory Tuesday. The Bears no. suffer their first loss at the hands of the Indianapolis Colts and more at the hands of Matt Nagy. And we will get into all of that. But first and foremost, Matt Rooney, how the heck are you? I'm good. You know, I'm coming back off a nice, relaxing golf trip weekend. And I, I got to be honest with you, I'm, I'm pretty happy I wasn't able to watch football on Sunday uh, because it seemed not great. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I, for that reason, I think I'm doing better than had I sat down and watched the entirety of the Bears game. I'm uh, doing pretty well, though. How about yourself? How's the week? Uh, I'm well as well. Uh, unlike you, I watched about 10 hours of unbridled football. Uh, had a had a random Sunday off this week. Oh, that's uh, nice. There you go. Got, you know, got, got behind the stove, had the flat screen turned towards the kitchen here, uh, spent about, I mean, it only takes, what, 45 minutes to put a pot of chili together, but let that baby simmer for about five the hours. The biscuits had, from scratch, you were yeah, saying, that looked very yeah, some, good. Some scratch-made uh, cheddar chive biscuits. Never Can you mail a me a couple of those? Can I, the, uh, those hold I don't up? Know, I don't know if they'll keep. but we'll um, give it a shot. See what happens. I will. I will. Uh, actually, there's only one left on the counter right now, and it was kind of the ugly duckling. So I'll um, take it. I'm yeah, kind it of was, the ugly uh, duckling, it was, so. It was my first uh, foray into biscuit making, and man, I tell you, we got a problem on our hands here. I know how to make an easy biscuit now, and that just can't be good for anyone. No, because so, now you're gonna it's it's gonna become a thing now on hey the weekend. Hey, babe, you want those then, biscuits again tonight? <laughs> those are pretty um, good. Yeah, but no, uh, we had we had a nice little weekend. Watched a lot of football. I, I'm really enjoying uh, what Major League Baseball playoffs have to offer. And for as odd as it feels, it is the NBA Finals, and watching Jimmy Butler do what he did in Game Three was a lot of fun. We're gonna get to all of it here, but we got to start. We always start in the fall, and that's for the Chicago Bears. What we saw on Sunday, Yay. a lackluster effort against uh, the Indianapolis Colts, Matt. Give me your headline. Uh, I, I know it's Tuesday. I know the headlines have already uh, somewhat moved on to next week, but give me your Monday morning headline off of that Bears game. Uh, quarterback might not be the issue. I, I, I mean, I know we, when we ripped on Mitch, and I'm rightfully so, not that he was good, but you saw a new quarterback, and I think I, I touched on it last week, and I think you agreed with me, was, you know, yes, Nick Foles might be the guy that's more suited to run Matt Nagy's offense, but now that Matt Nagy has a guy in there that he's a little more comfortable with, is he going to fall into old habits and abandon the run game and just try and throw the ball around the yard and get cute? And that's exactly what he did. He, I mean, David Montgomery had, what, eight carries or whatever it was. Cordero Patterson had a couple, but for the most part, he tried to throw the ball, didn't really try to challenge the Colts downfield, and a good defense absolutely ate him up. Uh, for me, the headline is, seat gets warmer, Matt Nagy in question. Because you, you and I have of, the same same concept here. Sort of dovetailing off of what you're talking about here. It, it isn't new. It is what he's done in the past. Bears had the six fewest rushing yards in the league last year. Um, only team this you, year without a rushing touchdown, by the way. And they're the only team this year without a rushing touchdown. That's correct. They had uh, almost identical. If you go to team stats and look at what they did against the Indianapolis Colts, it is almost a mirror image side to side, and then you get to rushing yards, and that's where the game was won and lost. They, ra- they rushed for 103 yards. We rushed for a total of 28 yards last week. Running backs had 13 carries. And it's, it's not like this game got out of hand. Like I know it's, it was thirteen to three at one point, but it was thirteen to three. 
it was, you know, beginning of the third quarter. It's not like, oh, my God, we're in panic mode. We have to come from behind. There was never a reason to, to you know, abandon the run until maybe it got to 16-3 in the fourth quarter. But they just didn't try. They didn't try to you, run the football. You really need to look at this from the standpoint of what is Matt Nagy seeing? What, what, is, what, what sort of game plan is he employing? And if, he's, if this is the game plan he's coming into the week with, he's just not a head coach. Now, if he gets into the game scenario and he sees something and he all of a sudden gets pass happy and then looks back and says, wow, we haven't run the ball in 10 snaps. What are we doing here? That, that's a coaching issue, but that can be supplemented when, when you get inside of a game. But if you're coming into the week with the idea of passing the ball 42 times and running it 16 times, you're going to lose. Um, and I think it really it's, – it's clearly outlined the – It's clearly outlined the deficit in coaching that we're coming from. How far behind the rest of the league we are when you look at two things. 42 passes, 16 runs, and 103 yards in penalties. That's bad coaching. Yeah, 100%. hands, Hands on the table. There's no other way to describe those two things than bad coaching. And Matt Nagy comes to the podium after the game and says, we're still looking for identity offensively. Guess what, Matt? That's your job. You set the identity offensively. Been looking you for identity for three years. You roll the game plan out. Quit looking for identity. Call the right plays. And now I'm gonna—I'm not gonna contradict myself here, but if you're gonna pass the ball 42 times, let's let's attack vertically every once in a while. Not when you're down by 16 with two minutes left. Let's not make that be the first time we attack the defense vertically with a premier wide receiver in Allen Robinson. You, you saw what he can do on a 50-50 ball that Nick Foles throws up in the air. Even when you're passing it 42 times, the selection in passing plays, it's poor. I mean, he's, he's trying to, he, he keeps trying to dink and dunk his way down the field. And it's, if you can establish that vertical passing game, like you said, with a premier top 10, top 15 wide receiver in the NFL and Allen Robinson, you have some speed and you have Jimmy Graham, who's kind of having a little bit of a career renaissance who can get down the field too. If you can stretch the field a little bit, that's going to force them to stop packing the box. If you're just I trying to hit these shallow crossers and I little dig agree. routes over the middle, they don't have to stop packing the box. That Packing the box actually helps them because they're going to disrupt some disrupt those uh, routes more. And then I think Matt Nagy again a- get in the press conferences, well, we, we really need to establish the run game. We need to commit. You don't want to establish the run game. You never have. And you, I really you, think you, you that over, this is like, the case. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was going to say, I, just, I, I really think that this is the case of – a head coach looking at a down breakdown. And by that, I mean he doesn't want to run it on first down because he doesn't want to be the coach who runs it on first down. And when you throw an incomplete pass on first down and you're looking at second and 10, it's very hard to run it on second down. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's sort of going off this analytic-based thing of we got to pass on first down to get it into a short-yarded situation to run it on second down and then reset. And the thing is, we keep finding ourselves in third and plus scenarios where you have no option then but to pass it a third time in those three set of downs. Someone needs to tell Matt Nagy that you can get a first down, not on third down. Like you don't have you to can pick it up on second down. down. You can pick it up on the first Bears, down. The Bears were third, three for 13 on third down prior to that tempo drive at the end mm-hmm. of the game. On that tempo drive at the end of the game, they were one for one on third down. They only saw one third down, and that completely spells it out. You don't have to get the third down to make a first down. 
Yeah, and they um, don't, don't I, I they, just I just don't go ahead. I don't think that there's any rhyme or reason to the game plan he's walking into Sunday with. No, and, and we've been and I think rightfully so critical on the Bears, you know, third down performances. I think you look the last three weeks, I don't remember off the top of my head, but they were, you know, like one for seven or whatever it was in week one. It was like they they were not converting on third downs at a good rate. I can't remember them off the top of my head. I'm not gonna look them up. But that's yeah, sure, you can partially blame that on the quarterback, but it's a lot harder to convert on third down when it's third and nine as opposed to, you know, third and three, third and four, and that's what he's getting himself into. Like, it's it's on the play calling. It's on the coaching. And is, is Nick Foles the better fit for the offense than Mitch Trubisky? Yeah, but it, yeah, but it's let's not, also stop doing that. Let's also stop doing that, Matt, because I heard a lot of that this week, and, and naturally because it was Nick Foles' first start. Let's stop doing the Mitch would have made that throw. Nick would have made that throw. Mitch would have made wouldn't have made that mistake. Nick would have made that decision. The, the, the quarterback by relativity is no way to succeed. Pick a guy, go with. Oh no, Nick no Foles, that's what I'm saying. Nick I think Foles Nick Foles is, the is quarterback the... now. I know, but well, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm less speaking to Matt Nagy's ineptitude now, and I'm speaking to the Bears fan base of sure. shut up, get behind a quarterback, and hope that your team plays well. Quit doing the the back and forth Mitch and Nick thing because you're not going to succeed. Well, I'm fully with you, and I'm behind Nick Foles as the quarterback. I'm more just saying it, it's it's more and more looking like this is on the head coach and how on how he calls an offense. And I, I think I hope that Ryan Pace can see that if Ryan Pace is you know still running this team at the end of the season, which if they have more performance like this, he won't be either. But he's not able to call a consistent offense, and he seems a lot like a guy who goes into a game with a game plan. But the second that gets disrupted, goes into panic mode and just starts throwing the ball around the yard. You know his his big thing, his big BU. He needs to stop being him. Be less you, Matt Nagy. Be somebody else because you be is Andy not the Reed. guy we need. Be, be Andy yeah, Reid. You want to try and be Andy Reid. You want to try and Andy Reid's better than you. Uh, you you want to try and be Kyle Shanahan. Uh, you want to try and be even try and be Bill Belichick. Commit to the run when your quarterback's not in the game. I know that that only amounted to 10 points last night for the Patriots, but the Bears scoring 11 points, they're not going to win any football games because the defense isn't what it used to be. That We can stop kidding ourselves about that as well. Yeah, we can get I into think, that because I, I think, think that's something we need to talk about. I, I think we've we've waxed poetic here on, on Matt Nagy enough. We know that we're, we're playing from behind the eight ball if he's going to continue to coach games the way he coaches it. To your point about uh, Ryan Pace running the team next year, I, I don't know if he's the answer either because another one of my notes here from watching the game is where's Cole Komet? Three receptions, or excuse me, uh, Three targets or three receptions? Three targets, three targets, one three targets, one catch. I think he's got what four catches this year. Mm-hmm. There's there's either a mixture of Matt Nagy not knowing how to work him into the offensive game plan, or kids not ready to be what we need him to be yet. I think it's kind and, of both, and that's both of those guys' fault. Then I, I don't want to spend a ton of time on that. I do want to go defensive here because uh, when you're looking at Robert Quinn, and you're looking at Khalil Mack with a combined two and a half sacks through four games, the millions of dollars you're paying those guys to produce, what we expect of them, the defensive player of the year caliber that one has held in the past, where is it? Where is it right now? That's a great question. It's not there. I mean, it's it, this defense is not there. They're, you said it. I mean, they, they're spending millions of dollars on those two edge rushers, and those guys' performances right now is absolutely unacceptable it can't there's not that big of a drop off in one off season from 11 and a half sacks to what robert quinn's doing now and i don't know if khalil max just kind of packed it in because he's getting paid if he's frustrated because he he is getting held a lot i mean that's 
that that is a fact. But that's I mean that hasn't affected him this much in the past. Everybody's I don't know if he's getting, getting sick of that. But like, get over it. I don't. I, it's the, those two. They look like they're kind of picking it up when they want to, and then sleepwalking early in the game. And this defense seems like. They kind of come out of the gate sleepwalking, wait till they see what the offense is doing, and then when they really have to pick it up, like you saw, they, they played for the most part all weekend, or all game Sunday, then don't break. Like they just kind of let the Colts do whatever they want. Then once they got in the red zone, it's like, oh, okay, well, we might as well batten down the hatches here and hold them to a field goal. And they were generally able to do that. But like that for me is a perfect example of the, the talent is still kind of there. It's just the energy and the effort doesn't seem to be. And that's. I, I, I don't know if that's beginning. a coach thing. I don't know if that's – and if that's a coach thing, get over it. Like, I know you I missed told Big you, Baggio, but get over it. I told you at the beginning of the season, the, the team that's going to stand at the mountaintop is the one that can create their own energy, that can build their own momentum, that can fire up from within. And that's not this Bears team. Wait, I just um, don't get Leo where Mack this has defense – never been that player. I don't get Leo where Mack it went never with, been the defense. The, it it kind of was there two years ago, though. And I know it's a different team. And I, obviously, they're not the 12 and 14 they were in 2018. But – that was there two years ago. There were games like the Rams game where the, the offense couldn't do anything and the defense made their own. I, I know they had yeah, the but crowd I'm telling there, you, but like, I'm, what I'm the telling defense you, Matt, made plays. What I'm telling you, Matt, is that it's a cadence. Football is a cadence. Uh, it, it's the crowd getting up on third down and the defense building off of that. The offense playing poorly in Chicago, being booed, and the defense feeling like they need mm-hmm. to respond. It, it, there's none of that cadence right now. It's offense is out there for six plays, punt. Defense is out there, they get driven on for eight plays, field goal. Offense is out there for three plays, punt. Defense, there's no, there's no crescendo decrescendo that a lot of teams feed off of. And I'm, I, I'm, what I'm trying to say here is the teams that feed off of that crescendo decrescendo are not going to be the ones that win this year. And I think the Bears are one of those teams that really respond to the cadence of a football game. And that not being there has them playing from a deficit, playing from a place they don't want to be. They can't create their own. And the silver lining for me this week was the play of Roquan Smith. Mm -hmm. But it was the play of Roquan Smith sideline to sideline. And what that tells you is you can't set the edge, that your defensive players are not setting the edge because your linebackers are having to make the plays 30 yards east-west of the football. Like, it's just, like, even the good tells you that there's bad. Yeah, and I got to be honest, I didn't really watch the game because I was in the car most of it, but I was it's, I was listening to the radio so you can even kind of get a feel for it there. And the one name I kept hearing over and over again on defense was Roquan. So I guess if we're looking for a positive to take from that, it was his performance. But again, like you said, it's almost taking a positive because there was a negative because the Bears' ends weren't really setting the edge. I think we're... Um, Is there I any other positives? Kind of, I, I think we're know. kind of building to a question I've been wanting to ask you, and I think you kind of answered it a little bit prior, but are the Bears disinterested? Yes. Do the, do, I, do the I Bears, do the Bears, the Bears care? are disinterested. I, I don't know what's changed. On I, I think the offense does care. I just think the offense is being hampered by their coach and their play. I, I don't think it's a matter of interest level on the offensive side. I do think it's a matter of interest level on the defensive side because I don't think there's any reason for as much of a drop-off as there's been in the last, you know, two seasons. Um, I, again, what, I don't know if that's a losing Vic Fangio thing because they love them. But again, if that's the case, get over it. You have a new coach. You're still a great unit. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's being tired from playing with such a crappy offense for as long as they have. But it's it with the exception, for the most part, of Roquan Smith. Even Akeem Hicks, people keep talking about what, what a year he's having. I haven't really seen him make a big standout play yet. 
And we I mean, saw he, him he, at points he, last year where he was dom- come back from the injury. He was dominant against the Packers before he got hurt. He was really good. He's not the same player either. Granted, maybe they're focusing more on him are, on the inside. His sack but, numbers are serious. I think he had another one this week. He's up to what three and a half, four and a half. He had two tackles for a loss this year. He this he week have, he did not. He didn't have a sack. Okay. The only sack the Bears mustered up was from Brent Urban. Beautiful. Yeah, we had exactly uh, what you expected from what twenty-two million in Khalil Mack, ten from Robert Quinn on the edge, so thirty-two million couldn't record a sack, but the whatever nine hundred thousand Brent Urban's probably making got you one. And I think that that kind of speaks to a bigger point here of the way to change this, the way to turn this around, and the thing that's lacking most from an on-field standpoint right now is the game-changing play. And by game-changing play, I mean the strip sack. I mean the interception. I mean the takeaway. I mean the chunk gainer for 35-plus yards. I mean a special teams play, a punt return, maybe not for a touchdown, but to flip the field. Mm -hmm. The game-changing play aspect of the Chicago Bears is completely missing. There hasn't been a game-changing play by the defense, which we expect. There hasn't been a game-changing play by the offense, which we hope for. There hasn't been a game-changing play by the third phase, which you need to win Mm -hmm. football games a lot of times when you don't have it on both sides of the ball. And honestly, I credit there have been no game-changing plays to create that energy because to create that momentum. Go ahead. We need that. That's what we need. That that is what this team's lacking, and that's what will turn this team around if they can find a way to make game-changing plays between the five-yard gainers. I I agree, and that's why I like you you see a guy like some people are critical of kick returners for taking the ball out of the end zone. Cordero Patterson does it every time, and he does sometimes get stuffed at the fifteen or the twenty. But he's trying to do that. He's trying to make that game break. The last thing I'm sorry, but the last thing this offense needs is an eighty-five yard field. Well, you know, at this point with this offense, is it that much different than a 75-yard field? Yes, because you've stood back there, Matt, and you've seen the football field from the 15-yard line as opposed to the 25-yard line. It looks a lot further when you start the drive. Sadly enough, I think the offense has a better – I think he's got a better chance of setting up the offense in better field position. I get what you're saying. I get get it. I get what he's trying to do. And you're right, the defense hasn't made a game-breaking play all all season. One thing that the offense can do is – we talked about earlier – those vertical plays downfield, like if you complete a 30-yard ball downfield Allen Robinson, you might not end up scoring on the play. You might not end up scoring on the drive. But if you're on your own 20, you complete one down to the 50, and maybe you you know, stall there but pin them deep, that energizes the defense starting a drive at you know the, the opponent's five instead of the opponent's 25 where it's a touchback. Like it, it makes a big difference. That's why it's, it's another reason why challenging the other defenses vertically is that much more important, especially when you have a guy like Allen Robinson who can go up and get it. Uh, I got nothing else for this football team. They are three and one, which if you would have told me we'd be three fine. and one at the start of the season, I would have said, yes, we'll take it hundred percent. Um, but it's the least encouraged I've ever been by three and one. Yeah. Like they're, I, I they're three and one and I'm not sure they're going to make the playoffs. I mean, they got um, the Bucks, Panthers, Rams, Saints, Titans. Their next five games, like they could very easily be four and four. Yeah, four and four at the end of that. Four and a five. lot of football yet to play. They got time to figure it out. Am I confident that they will? No. Oh, also but, one more note from this week, and you and I very much agree with it. And apparently, Kyle Long does too. Never wear the orange jerseys the orange again. They're just them. nothing good happens in them. Take when the was the last jerseys. time something good happened? No, no, it's not even that for me. It's not like the oh, it's bad juju, they also look whatever. Terrible. You could wear – Aaron Rodgers has won games in those ugly Green Bay jerseys. Okay, It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the fact that they're just 
terrible. Where are There's those? No, where are those throwback alternates? They the look orange stupid. numbers and, and uh, navy blue helmets. Like all. Uh, where are those? Those are awesome alternates. They've they've even oranged them up a little bit more over the last couple of years. So they're almost like on the verge of neon. They are the antithesis. They are, they are the antithesis of what Chicago Bears football is, which is rough, tough, and mean. The Chicago Bears football has never been the air raid attack. Uh, let's get flashy. Let's do all this extracurricular stuff to make the team feel pumped up. But the fact that Kyle Long retweets my tweet immediately when I tweeted it makes me feel makes me feel like he's a uh, he's a colleague. I know. I know. Uh, makes me makes me feel like inside that locker room when those orange uh, jerseys are hanging, the guys are kind of like, oh, these again. Your, your, um, your boy Kyle's. I, I, I like the retired Kyle Long Twitter account because he is not. Let's fly a little. He's bit. not shy about his feelings about Matt Nagy's calling of the. I, I don't know if he dislikes Matt Nagy as a person or whatever, but like he's not shy about being critical of him as a coach yeah. and, and the play calling so far this year. So that's kind of refreshing to see from you know confirm some suspicions and, and some some feelings we have about the offense from a guy who's been there, done that. You can catch Kyle Sunday mornings on CBS Sports Network on the other post-game show, or other pre-game show, excuse me, uh, alongside Jonathan Jones. They do a great job. They I'll be sure to tune into that. Um, and, yeah, like I think Kyle's uh, establishing his voice in that uh, space as well. And, like you said, it's, uh, it's nice to get that behind the curtain look into how some of the players feel about the guy at the helm. But, Matt, uh, we'll have plenty of weeks to uh, rail about Matt Nagy, I'm sure, and the play calling. Oh, so let's yeah, move things be. forward here. It's Bears, it's Bucks, it's Thursday night, it's a short week, it's Tom Brady, it's Bruce Arians, it's a team that looks like they're about to fire on all cylinders. It's I'm uh-oh. not too excited about it. It's uh-oh. Uh, it is very much uh-oh. But let's whip it around the NFL and see what we saw uh, throughout this week in the NFL. Broncos and Jets on Thursday night. Uh, Matt, 37-28, the Broncos win. Uh, the Jets kind of uh, had victory right there, big interception. It, it was just an ugly game between two ugly teams. I'm not sure the Jets win a football game this year. Uh, no, I actually fell asleep during this one. Um, nice. <laughs> I, I woke up to watch the highlights, though, and it seems like I missed a pretty exciting fourth quarter. Uh, yeah, the Jets are the Jets are terrible, and that's really all that I kind of took from this game. Brett Rippon cool. was, was fine, except for those interceptions he threw, but yeah, bad game. Uh, Colts and the Bears, we know what happened there. 19-11, to 11, the Bears scored the third lowest total of the week behind just the Giants and the Patriots a night ago. Jaguars and Bengals. Bengals win 33-25. to 25. Joe Burrow makes some big plays. Joe Mixon makes some big plays. Went for 151 yards and two touchdowns in Joe Burrow's first win as a professional. Uh, Joe Burrow looks like he's the real deal. I know there were some suspi- some thoughts maybe he has a little bit of a slow start to his career being on a team like the yeah. Bengals, not much help. He has not had a slow start to his career. He looks very good and uh, seems like the Bengals have their guy for the next 10, 15 years. Yeah, it was... Uh, uh, oh, and my favorite thing that I saw from that one was uh, Joe Burrow after the game. They gave him the game ball for, you know, it's his first win, give him the yeah. game ball, put it on the mantle. He put it back in the ball bag because he said it was a really good ball and he wanted to play with it next week. Love that. How, how good is that? How good ball. ball guy Just take that? a different one. Take a different one. <laughs> uh, let's see. Moving on here to our next game, the Browns and the Cowboys. Browns win 49-38 in a defense optional affair. The OBJ was back with three touchdown receptions. One from Jarvis Landry on an awesome reverse pass. Um, that Browns offense finally looks like what they intended it to be three years ago, and it seems to be coming into form here. 
The Cowboys, on the other hand, are one in three. The defense is non-existent. Um, the offense can score, but they continue to dig themselves these holes. And I mean, they score 24 points in the fourth quarter and still come up 11 points short of a win. You say that? Did you say the defense is inconsistent? Non, non-existent. Okay, I thought for a second I thought you said inconsistent. I was like, that yeah. you're being awfully, awfully <laughs> kind to them by calling them inconsistent. I know they have some yeah. injuries, but my God, they are terrible. Um, yeah, the, the Browns look like a very good team, but the, I, I want to see them this week because they are going up against the Colts team that we just saw plays really, really good defense, especially against the run. So I think that's going to be more of a realistic test for that offense because we, we kind of thought of them as a team that's going to beat up on the bad teams and, and not be as good against the good ones. They, they got blown out by the Ravens in week one. Uh, let's see what they do against a pretty good defense in Indianapolis, and then I'll kind of be ready to buy into them or not. Uh, we got the Saints and the Lions. Saints win 35-29. Uh, this one is up there for a game I watched the least of. I don't, I don't know if it's the, the takes the cake this week, but um, Lions, again, have a lead. Lions, again, blow a lead, I think was the storyline here. I mean, my, the only question I have is, I know Bill O'Brien was the first. Is Matt Patricia the next one? Um, Matt Patricia, Adam Gase? I think that there's a the, – the floodgates have now opened. I think that there's now, because one coach has been asked, um, there's now It's okay a, to do it now. It's okay to do it in a pandemic year to take someone's job away and we don't have to feel bad for him. Bill O'Brien fired. Again, I don't know if Adam Gase gets the ax this year because who wants Greg Williams to be their head coach? Mm-hmm. And he'd be the interim head coach, the defensive coordinator. He's just, by all estimations, a bad person. Um, you've got Dan Quinn in Atlanta. you got Matt Patricia in If Dan Detroit. Quinn wasn't fired after the Bears game, I don't think he's getting fired. Uh, he must have he must have some information or something. I don't know because uh, he should have been fired ten times over. The thing that um, seems pretty damning about Patricia, though, is he made those comments after the game about how you know he took something over that you know needed a lot of work, which wasn't mm-hmm. really true because he took over a nine and seventeen. Um, a lot of former players seem to get in on the you know refuting that and giving him crap about it, which means they don't really like him all that much. Yeah. I don't think uh, he's very well-liked in that locker room, and if he's losing and not well-liked, that's not going to be a good combination for keeping your job. Not, and It's not just the fact that you're losing, it's how you're losing. Mm-hmm. Now, six straight games, the Lions have held double-digit leads and lost all six of those games. NFL history right there. Defense, he's supposed to be a defensive guy. His defense can't make a stop when they need it. Seahawks and Dolphins. Seahawks get it done 31-23. to Russell Wilson keeping his MVP form. Uh, his lowest passing touchdown total with two this week, but 24 of 34 for 360 yards. Really strong start. Uh, some clamoring for a new quarterback in Miami. We'll get into that in buy or sell, but uh, Seahawks come away with the win here. 4-0. Um, seemed like it might be your classic west to east game, especially in Miami and that you know hot weather early on, hot even weather. The Seahawks kind of... Not slept walk early, but I think the Dolphins kept it closer than some people thought, and then Seahawks kind of had that big fourth quarter. But, uh, yeah, Russell Wilson, MVP train, continues the roll. Uh, moving on here, we've got the Chargers and the Buccaneers. Bucks win it 38-31. to uh, Tom Terrific throws five touchdown passes in a game for the first time since 2017, continues to turn the clock back. 
through five touchdown passes to five different wide receivers. It's what the Bears have to look forward to. That's not what I took away from this one. Not really looking forward to that one. Uh, again, I didn't watch really many of these games. I'm Justin Herbert looked nice, still a lot of mistakes. That was my question I was going to ask. Because looking at a stat line, you'd say, well, that was a pretty good ball game. He only had five incompletions, one interception. But obviously, if you let the Patriots come back, or geez, the Patriots, not on the Patriots anymore. Buccaneers come back the way they did. Um, must not have been all that great late when the pressure was on. But yeah, not really looking forward to Thursday night. It was also Tom Brady's 222nd regular season win. That's the most of any player in the history of the league. Continues to set records and break his own. Ravens and Washington football team. The Ravens win it 31-17. to Lamar Jackson, uh, three touchdowns, a long touchdown run, I believe 50-plus yards, I think 53 yards, something like that. Um, didn't see a ton of this one because you don't really get a lot of Washington football team nope. on NFL red zone. But uh, the Ravens move to 3-1. and one. They continue to be dominant in spots where they're expected to be and not show up in the big game. But you're only going to get so many of those litmus tests like we talked about a week ago against the Kansas City Chiefs. But uh, they do what they need to do when they're asked to do it. Ravens win. Yeah, I don't think you really learned too much from this. I think Washington might be a little bit of a better team than teams gave them credit for. I know they lost by 14 points, but playing without Chase Young, I mean, it was somewhat of a game for a little while so i guess i'll give them some credit for that they might not be the the worst team in that division like the giants but that's about all i got from it the ravens you're not going to learn anything until they play another good team uh the cardinals and the panthers go at it and just when you wanted to give kyler murray his mvp trophy they backslide to two and okay two i didn't say mvp losses, trophy with losses to the pa- yeah but people were talking about it with pant with losses to the panthers and the Detroit Lions. A uh, little spoiler alert here. My lock of the week will be the Cardinals this week covering six and a half against the Jets because when you lose, you just go back to the team the Jets are playing. And if it's less than a touchdown, you go, go, go. Mm-hmm. Um, Cardinals, uh, they fall 21 to 31 to the Panthers. Teddy Bridgewater was really nice. Three touchdowns on his day. Uh, this is a Panthers team that's now two and two, but. Um, you know, the Bears do. I think that you're going to learn. If the Bears lose to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this week, it won't surprise me. The Bears then go on to lose to a less than average Panthers team. We got real problems. Yeah. I think that's going to that's gonna be the team that's the true test of how where the Bears are this, at. How yeah. average this Bears team is. Uh, yeah, I got to be honest with you. It did not, like, I didn't even track this game. I couldn't have told you the final score other than the Cardinals lost. Um, yeah, Kyler kind of needs to figure it out. Cardinals need to figure it out. Might not be as good as we thought early on. Uh, the Panthers are now on a two-game winning streak after losing 10 in a row. So the tides are turning in Carolina. Matt Rule's got uh, the boys buzzing. Let's, they appear to, They apparently love him. And I think that... Not surprised. Play, he seems I think like, like a great guy to play the, for. And I really think it's one of the less talented rosters in the league right now. So you start to get the people in place there. You get Christian McCaffrey healthy. And you might have something going in Carolina. Vikings and Texans. Vikings go on to win 31-23, to getting their first win of the year. 0-4 go the Texans. Bill O'Brien gets fired. Uh, a lot of bad in Houston right now. Um, I'm sure you saw the graphic. Uh, the Rockets, the Astros, and the Texans all firing their head coaches in an eight-month span. That's pretty good. Um, you know, I, I, I'm worried about where the Bears are going in terms of salary cap, in terms of quarterback the next couple years. Draft picks, They obviously, they, don't, they have that first-round pick for the first time in a couple. Now, uh, but you look at the Texans, and I know they have Deshaun Watson, who's a very good quarterback, but other than that... 20 of 33, 300 yards, two touchdowns. It could be worse because they have, I think they have the highest uh, payroll in the NFL, and I don't believe they have first-round picks for the next two years. I think they gave those up in the Laramie Tunsil deal and one other. 
Um, so I think it could be a little bit worse if you were a Bear, if, as Bears fans because I think the Texans are going to be in cap hell for the next couple of years, especially with no draft picks. And they traded their best player, arguably the best player in his position in the NFL for a running back. That's So don't feel okay bad, Bears fans. It could be a little bit worse. Exactly. Giants and Rams. Giants go to 0-4 as well. It's the first time in NFL history that both the Jets and the Giants are 0-4. Rams win at 17-9. This was a no-show, a complete no-show by the Rams, but the Giants are just that bad that they get the job done. Big brawl breaks out after the game. Who's in the middle of it? Well, Golden Tate and Jalen Ramsey. Color me, color me surprised. Love it. I, I, I completely forgot about the storyline of Jalen Ramsey dumping Golden Tate's sister when she was pregnant with their kid. Oh, I, I, I was completely unaware yeah, of Yeah, no, that's the thing. Yeah, oh, they, uh, Last year, I think they were. she was like two months pregnant with their, their son and uh, J, or kid. I don't know if it's a boy or girl. And Jalen Ramsey dumped her. So that's, there's probably some, some fuel behind that fight. Um, other than that, this game happened. Excuse me, second time in NFL history that the Jets and the Giants have both started the same season. 0-4, first time since 1976. There's never been a season where they've both started 0-5, uh, it would likely be this season. I have no idea who, uh, well, I know the Jets play the Cardinals due to my lock week. I don't know who the Giants play this next week, but likely going to be another L. They play Danny the Cowboys. J- for Danny Jones and company. Yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll have a 21-point lead, but the Cowboys will come back. Um, moving on here. Oh, another interesting note there for the Giants. Odell Beckham scores three touchdowns last week. The Giants have scored three touchdowns all season. Uh, moving on from there, Bills and Raiders. Bills looking good. 4 0. 30 23, they take down the Raiders. Raiders are now 2 2 after a nice start. Derek Carr still looks good. Uh, Stephon Diggs, fantastic once again. Josh Allen gets the job done. Um, finds a couple different receivers. Cole Beasley had a uh, acrobatic leaping touchdown catch. who flipped into the end zone. But uh, this looks like a Bills team that's going to be um, that's going to be a problem for everybody they face on a week to week basis. And I'm really really excited for Cam Newton to get healthy. Uh, thinking of them, get him back in the mm-hmm. lineup, make that Patriots offense what they are for those Patriots Bills matchups because that's going to decide the division and have big time playoff implications. Yeah, the, the Bills week you know week to week are proving that they are a good team. They're a Super Bowl contender. They're a con- obviously a contender, maybe a favorite to win that AFC East division. Uh, honestly, my big takeaway from this is another pretty good week for Vegas, and I'm buying into what they're doing there. They, they back-to-back weeks against two tough teams. They gave the Bills all they can handle for a little while. Derek Carr looks like he's taking steps in John Gruden's offense, so I, I think the Raiders are building something there. And uh, they, they appear to be a pretty good football team. Now, let's not get out, out ahead of ourselves here because Bills are 4-0 for the first time since 2008. They finished 7-9 and nine that season. I don't so think that's going to happen. A lot can go wrong. I, I don't think I don't that's, that's going to happen this year. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a really talented group with a lot of confidence. Who's about their quarterback right in 2008? That, no, it couldn't have been J.P. Lossman. 2008. Lossman. That was older. Bill's quarterback. Uh, that was... Ryan what? Fitzpatrick? It's given me Trent Edwards and... Gabran Handman? Handman? Sure. Pan? It was was Trent Edwards. It was Trent Trent Edwards. Edwards. We're going to call it Trent Edwards. Uh, I'm looking at that. He was their starting quarterback. Okay. Uh, Eagles and 49ers. Eagles get their first win of the season. Disappointing fashion uh, by the 49ers who slide to 2-2. Nick Mullins, who looked great the week before, really took a step back. Uh, I think they're finally hurting for Jimmy G to get back under center. But uh, Eagles get on the 
get in the win column 25 to 20 against the Niners on the road no less yeah I think um, this was a nice I don't, I don't think Jimmy G ever wants his team to lose but probably a nice week for Jimmy G for all the people saying oh Nick Mullins can run this offense as good as he can and all that stuff he probably can't that this was this was confirming that Jimmy G is the quarterback and should be the quarterback there um, and also George Kittle is really really Crazy really fun. good uh, and I know you talked about it, but good for Jarek McKinnon. He keeps week by week really having good. pretty good weeks, and he, he looks like he's going to be a fixture in that offense. Guys had some, some tough injury luck the last couple of years. Uh, hopefully he can stay healthy because he looks like he's living up to that contract and the, the deal he signed in San Fran. couple of stats out of this one that's going to tell you what's going on with the 49ers. Uh, I believe George Kittle had 183 yards. 15 receiving. receptions, 183 yards, and a touchdown. And that offense, touchdown grab was real nice. Offense only totaled 267 yards. So Is that good? He's making up for about two-thirds of the offense there, and that's not what you're looking for. 49ers were outgained by the Eagles. Of all teams, 417 yards to 267 yards. That defense is lacking what they had a year ago. That defense that got them to the Super Bowl. Um, this is a different 49ers team. It's unfortunate because they're so talented and they were just decimated by injuries through two weeks. And I don't know how you bounce back. Yeah, like the, the they, Eagles look good and that was a nice win, but I still need to see more from them than just beating a very thin no, 49ers team. No, I'm still not. Yeah, that wasn't. That, impress me at all. That, that told me more about the Niners. It's a shame. Than, than it's a shame someone's got to win the NFC East, and I'll say it every single week. Patriots and Chiefs. Chiefs Let's go football team. Uh, Chiefs did not look great through like three and a half quarters, but then they turn it on. Uh, offense starts clicking a little bit. The Patriots, on the other hand, it's evident how reliant they are on Cam Newton. Mm-hmm. Credit to the defense for holding this offense to 13 points through three quarters. Uh, they then do give up 13 points in the fourth quarter for the 26 points. But even if you're holding the Chiefs to 26 points, uh, if if you're going into a game knowing you got to score 27 points against the Chiefs defense to win, I take that 10 times out of 10, you know? I, I guess my takeaway from this one also, I, first off, I kind of forgot it was on, how early it was on, so I didn't pick it up until later in the game and then didn't realize it was on CBS. thought it was the ESPN doubleheader. Um, the Chiefs appear like a team that there's always the age-old question, like, can, can teams flip a switch? You know, we, we talked about that with the Blackhawks all the time when in their runs and all that stuff. The Chiefs appear to be a team that can kind of flip that switch when they want to and mm-hmm. kind of play down to their competition and then when it's time, or play down or up to it like they did against the Ravens. Like, when it's time to go, they can kind of flip that switch and go and just score a touchdown, no questions asked. But uh, the Patriots kept this one closer than I thought, and they're still really, really well coached and, and can play with anybody because of that coaching staff. Uh, we got the Falcons and the Packers rounding out the week. Packers win it 30-16. to 16. Aaron Rodgers, four touchdown passes, uh, favorites in the division, maybe favorites in the conference. Uh, he's making the whitewater receiving core look like all pros, and he's just the best doing it right now in my estimation. I hate Aaron Rodgers. That's it. That's, that's it. all I got. That's, that's it. Got. Cut the music. Yeah, Cut the that's music. it. Uh, that was your week in review in the NFL, but we got plenty more to get to here. Uh, Matt, let's pivot right now, and let's pivot to the low post where the NBA Finals sit at 2-1. The Lakers lead the uh, Miami Heat. Jimmy Butler with a 40-point triple-double. First player in NBA history to do that in a NBA Finals winning effort. Uh, I know you're not usually uh, dug in, entrenched to these things, but uh, it is the NBA Finals. we got to talk about it. Uh, it does still look like the Lakers going to be just fine and LeBron's going to get his fourth ring. But uh, from what you've seen thus far, what are your takeaways? Uh, I guess I, I don't have a huge takeaway other than, you know, just confirming how much I am rooting for Jimmy Butler and, and how much yeah. I, I like the guy because he's just 
he's so good. He's so fun to watch. He doesn't care who he's going up against. He could be going up against the Lakers. He could be going up against a, you know a four win team, and he's still going to you know be really good and bust his ass. Um, that Heat team is fun to watch. Like you said, the Lakers are probably going to be just fine because it took a, a Herculean effort from Jimmy Butler to get them that win, and I don't think he can do that three more times. Um, but he's really fun to watch, and this has been that was a very fun game to watch. I'm not sure games one or two were all that fun because that that huge blowout in game one. Um, but good for Jimmy, good for the Heat. I hope he can win another game or two and keep this series pretty close. I think the key here is you just got to get Anthony Davis in foul trouble and make LeBron do it alone because LeBron has showed in the past and showed again in Game Three that when he is asked to do it alone, maybe not, maybe not what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe not the uh, – I'm not going to slander LeBron James. He's been amazing this year, um, the triple-doubles, everything he's done. But I think that almost works against him when AD is not on the court. He wants to facilitate, and when he doesn't have AD out there to facilitate too, well, you're passing the ball to Danny Green who's going to miss six corner threes. You're passing the ball to Kyle Kuzma who's going to turn it over. You're mm-hmm. passing the ball to Alex Caruso who's going to try and slash to the rim, maybe get a bucket. You're passing the ball to Rajon Rondo, who's got a hot hand shooting right now, but went cold a little bit in Game 3. So I think that LeBron, the facilitator, is the greatest form of him right now with this team. Like, if LeBron can go for 25 and 14 assists, there's no way you're beating this Lakers team. But when LeBron's got to go for 40, like Jimmy had to the other night, teams can stay with him. Mm-hmm. And this Heat team can stay with him. Um, so getting Anthony Davis off the court, because Anthony Davis, I'm sorry, has been the MVP of this NBA final oh, so far, is the biggest thing for this Miami Heat uh, coming into Game 4. I'm with you. When, when's Game 4? Is it tonight? Game 4 is tonight. Uh, okay. If you're listening to this on Tuesday, uh, Game 4 coming your way from the bubble, and it's a big one. We'll see if the Heat can draw even. It's looking like Bam Adebayo could be back. He's uh, they're, they're hopeful that he can be back in the lineup tonight with that next strain. But uh, I think Goran Dragic, uh, they just keep listening. Sounds like he's doubt. out, right? They keep listening with doubtful, and I'm sorry. The guy has a tear of the fascia in his foot. He's not playing. The season's over, okay? Can we just list him as out? Yeah, that sounds really painful. I think they're just trying to kind of keep it's, a little it's bit. Play, uh, it's, playing my, it's just playing cards. You know, you're trying to not confirm anything to make the Lakers have the little, littlest bit of doubt. Not that Goran Dragic is, you know, that type of a superstar player. But that's also, it's just It's just gamesmanship. Uh, uh, let me just send me your t-shirt sizes, Moose and Runes listeners, because I'm having a batch of Tyler Hero scowl face t-shirts printed up. So uh, you let me know. Is this you when are, you're finally going to get me a t-shirt? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, you send me some of your size. I'll get you. A, I'll get you a Tyler Hero scowl t-shirt. How okay, about I like that. Just is it like an animated version of that face, or no? Is it it's, like, just, it's, it's just, just a lip face. up in the air. Just okay. a lip up in the air. I like yeah. it. Uh, I'm going to give you some notes here from the wagering window for those looking for a lean on tonight's game. The Lakers, 7-3-1 against the spread their last 11 games. Uh, They're 10-2 straight up. Uh, Lakers are 6-1 straight up in their last seven against the Heat. Over is 5-2 in the the Heat's last seven games. Over is 4-1 in the Lakers' last five games. So uh, maybe an overplay is the way to approach this one between the Lakers and the Heat. In I think it's three. I think it's buying down the Lakers as many points as you can, and then parlaying that with the over. I think that's my there choice. There you go. I think that's what we'll correlated we'll correlated parlay. Of course, now, it's going to uh, be neither now. The Heat are going to win. It's going to go from under. let's jump from bubble to pseudo bubble. The MLB playoffs now in the divisional series in their respective uh, quadrants in different ballparks. 
let's talk about the wild card series, though, because from what I took away from that first round is that the MLB is on the verge of something special. And what they need to do is they need to keep this expanded playoffs in place. They need to just truncate it a little. They just need to take two teams away to incentivize the top seed. So I'm, I'm calling for a 14-team playoff. Top two seeds get buys, and those play-in series were awesome. Now, I know the White Sox lose. I know the Cubs lose. But they were fantastic drama early in the playoffs. It really it, it called for our attention right off the bat. Whereas the divisional series or the wild card games don't always do that. I think these wild card series were perfect. I agree. I, I loved watching them. Obviously, the, the White Sox and Cubs both fell short. Yeah, how'd was, your, was very unfortunate. How'd your World Series matchup do? White Sox, White Sox uh, Reds, White Sox Reds. Still got my Dodgers. Still got my winner. Oh, cool! You picked the fuck the favorite. I yeah, and I was gonna, and, and cool. I was gonna also congratulate. And I was I was also gonna I was gonna go full chalk and go Dodgers Yankees, but you made me feel bad. What, what did, did I go? I went I went I went Dodgers Indians. I think yeah, I you had Cleveland yeah. who got swept there, which I. I still, I, I in, in my defense, I said I like the Reds, but I also said whoever wins that series has a very good chance of going. Mm. I, I like the win. Mm. I, okay, go back, check the tape. Mm. Also, I mean, you look at the Reds. I didn't. I was on a mm. they were score zero runs in the series. Zero Trevor, runs in twenty two innings. Trevor Bauer went out so and absolutely bad. shoved in game one. They had like six different chances with multiple runners on base in that game, yeah. and they lose one nothing. In the, 13 innings, that one was frustrating. The, the like overconfident Joey Votto uh, sound bites from before that series are just timeless now. Um, but looking forward to what we have on our hands now. Uh, the Yankees take the early series lead a night ago on the Rays. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Dodgers uh, going to get in uh, underway here after they take care of the Braves in round one. Just reassessing the board here, Matt. Are, are you feeling more chalky, or are you still think that like a team's going to come up and surprise us here? I, I'm watching out for the Astros. Are the Astros considered a surprise? Would that be considered um, a surprise? Because I know they're like I think they're I, only I think considered so, a surprise they because everyone's rooting against them. They they were under five, I know they have the, yeah. the history, or whatever, but they were under 500. I, I they think looked them special against the A's in game Oakland, one. Ten five. I think that's something to watch for. They. Their, their pitching, I know, has been a question. Obviously, losing Cole and Verlander being out for the year, they, they, they kind of have Grinky at the top there and not as much behind him. Uh, they looked really good against the Twins. They, obviously, they were able to hit against Oakland last night. So I am i don't know who's going to win the AL, but that's a team that's kind of has my interest peaked. And if we can see another Astros-Yankees matchup, I'd be all for that. And then on the NL side, I mean, it just kind of looks like the Braves look good. They have some. They have very good pitching, but it's it, all roads go through the Dodgers. Uh, Matt, we already uh, opened things up here for our locks of the week. Just to recap here, Matt is now three and one after the Saints cover last week. I am now two and two after I break my golden rule and I bet on the Bears and the Bears break my heart. Well, that's what, that's um, what you get for betting on the Bears. That's why we don't bet on the Bears. Stay away from them. They, what up. happens if the, if you lose a week and then the Bears are playing the Jets the next week and it's less than a touchdown? Because those are your two rules colliding. And I'm really setting myself up for some uh, for some heartbreak. But I am yeah. going with the latter rule here and betting against the Jets this mm-hmm. week. Arizona on the road laying six and a half. If you can't beat the Jets by a touchdown... Blow the thing up. That's fair. I agree with Blow that. I think they will, even though they're on the road. That's a west to east thing during the oh. day. You never know. Never know. Uh, but no, I like that pick. I've been it's a melatonin. I, I've there's a lot of big numbers out there this week, and I I don't know if this is breaking a rule. It's not a very good team with a 
big number, but they're going up against a very bad team similar to the Jets. I like the Cowboys minus 9.5 against the Giants, mainly because I think the Cowboys are going to score a lot of points. And while their defense is not good at all whatsoever, I don't think they're going to be able to score with the Giants. And I think that defense can play poorly and the Cowboys can still win that game, you know, 38-17, something like that. So not a very good team, but I think they're due for a bounce back into the bad one. Give me the Cowboys minus nine and a half. Uh, you just got to hope that uh, got to hope that the Cowboys don't get down by 21 early. You know, dig, I have dig, a feeling uh, they're not going to dig themselves into that hole. big of a hole against the yeah. Giants. But you know what? Who knows? Who, Who knows what knows, that defense Matt. is capable of? Jumping a little by yourself before we say goodbye here. Matt, you want to lead us off? You want me to lead us off? Uh, I can start because uh, I, I, we just talked baseball. I'm going to go there a little bit. We talked about the Cubs and Sox losing. Uh, we don't need to get too far into the Sox losing because I think more of those questions will come as the offseason progresses. We know how bad that was. Uh, the Cubs are in this little bit of a, a limbo-type area. Theo Epstein not really committing to past 2021. John Lester's contract up. I know I said I was going to say John Lester, but I'm actually going to tweak here at the, at the, uh, in the, the pre-show meeting. I said I was going to ask you about John Lester. I'm actually going to ask you about Theo Epstein. Um, his contract's up at the end of 21. He really wouldn't commit to being back after that. And It sounds like our, our good friend of the podcast, David Kaplan, said all signs point towards him leaving. Buy or sell, he should run the team next year. Can I sell something different? Sure, you can can buy, Joe, this is your podcast. You can buy or sell whatever you'd like. Can I sell giving a shit? I don't care. Guess what, Matt? There's a lot going on right now. NFL football is back. The NBA finals are on. Major League Baseball has an exciting playoff happening. There's a pandemic. Uh, The president has coronavirus. We're trying to make sure all of our families, friends, and loved ones are safe, happy, and healthy. I don't care about Theo Epstein. And I'm done caring about management of teams. Get it right. What do I care? The guy has changed two franchise. He's, brought, he's broken two curses. He's done everything the Cubs could have asked him. He set the team up to win multiple championships. They only got one. Sorry, don't care. I'm selling on giving a shit. Oh, well, that was, that's not very nice. I answer your questions. All right, well, then I, 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 I buy the fact that he should be back because who cares? Okay, fine. Two can play that game. What's your question? No, give, us, give, me, give me your insight here because I, you, see, you, you asking the question well, leads no. me to believe you have a feeling here. No, it's just more or less if he's not going to commit to being back next year, I think you just kind of let him walk this year and, and pay the man his money and say, go away, thanks. For yeah, because, years. I mean, if we want to like, dip our toes into this pool here, what else can he do for the Chicago Cubs? Other than he's either going to reset it here or he's going to inherit something somewhere else. Can I ask you, this will be a quick answer. It's a buy or sell on something you will care about. Buy or sell the fact that we have two masters in like six months. Buy it. That's awesome. I can't wait. Saw some aerials of a gust that we are we are. How are we looking? How's it looking? Fantastic. It's uh, already green. It's already green. The azaleas are not in bloom, but the fairways are looking green. That's okay. They're They'll looking, get those blooming. Yeah, we're I not think we're thirty-seven those. days, thirty-six days, something like that, away from the first of two masters in a six-month span. Uh, just cannot wait. We deserve. Just cannot that. wait after after the year we've been through. We deserve two Masters in a six-month span. Tigers title defense at the Masters. Just make the cut, Tiger. That'd be, you know, Tiger could then Please become the, the first cut. person, if he wins both of them, to win two Masters in a six-month span. Jack never be the did first that. Person, he could also be the first person to win three Masters in an 18 in a 18-month span. Yeah. Jack never Special did Special stuff. Never, never did it. Never did it. Uh, Matt, we're going to take things back to the NFL here. I kind of uh, alluded to it momentarily in our whip around. But buy or sell, Tua Tungvaluwa. 
the flying Hawaiian is going to be the Miami Dolphin Dolphins starter in week five. Week five is next week. Uh, or do they have a bye this week and then play the week after? No, I think week five is this week, right? Okay. Uh, yes, it would be this yeah. week. Um, I'm going to sell it because I think we'd have found out already. Um, I think that's no, something uh, that would Brian have Flores. Said. Brian Flores yesterday was non-committal about naming a starter, so that's why I'm asking you the question. Who do they play? Who do they play next week? Uh, excuse me, two hours ago, Finns to stick with Fitzpatrick over two and we. Well, I'm going to sell. <laughs> sell uh, it. I think sell I think it. Ryan Fitzpatrick still <laughs> has a couple more weeks left into him. Um, oh, no, I mean you're going to see him at some point this year, but I don't. I, I think throwing him in at San Francisco yeah, might be the, kind of a tough that's spot. That's a perfect right? guy to just. Just placehold. Just let I know. Him. I know there's an itch to go do it, but you know, like you said, we talked about it before the bottle a little bit. I want to see he broke, week thirteen. I know he dislocated his hip like not long ago. Like just let the guy let just just let him sit, let him learn. He's got a guy there that you know, he's got a guy Ryan Fitzpatrick who's not the best quarterback, but could be a pretty good mentor and he can learn from. Just don't rush into it. There's no point rushing How about into this? it. Brian Flores' job is pretty safe. Like just just wait till he's more than ready. How about this? perfect time to bring into a is week 11 because week we 11 got? and week 11 and week 12 you get the jets back to back week do it that's great they build have some, a, they have a home and home with the jets build some, followed and then, by, then you got the Bengals by the Bengals for the burrow bowl the burrow to a bowl and the chiefs then it gets weird then you gotta you see what you got against the chiefs and the patriots the raiders and the bills <laughs> but well, build, uh, build them some confidence before he yeah, gets knocked them, down off him up, and then let them know that the nfl is a hard place to win uh, what do you got for me? Hit me. Uh, Doc Rivers was fired pretty quickly after we stopped recording the podcast last week, couple hours. So I, that was one of those. And then uh, hired bad like luck four hours after. Yeah, that? hired not long after. Um, buy or sell the decision to fire Doc Rivers in LA? Uh, I sell it, but that's where the Clippers are right now. The Clippers tried buying a championship. And I think you could be critical of. Um, the Golden State Warriors with the addition of Kevin Durant and all that moving back. But Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, the, the root of that, Draymond Green, the root of what they did was the Golden State Warriors. What the, what the Clippers just tried to do is they tried to bring in two pieces in Paul George and Kawhi Leonard that they thought were the answer. No one's going to beat us when you surround this supporting cast with those two guys. The only thing they didn't have was a vocal leader. And when Doc Rivers tried to be that vocal leader in the locker room, nobody responded to him because they all thought they were superstars. They all thought they had the thing in the bag. It's not how this thing works. I think Doc Rivers is a fantastic coach. Now do I think Doc Rivers is a championship coach in today's NBA? Put him with the right group, yes. I don't think that was the right group to respond to the coaching style of Doc Rivers. So I I don't buy him being fired, but I buy Doc Rivers as a head coach still. Now, do I buy him with the Philadelphia 76ers? No, because I think you're, <laughs> I think I think you're dealing with the Clippers. I think that's Clippers East here. You got two feuding superstars or two superstars that maybe don't see eye to eye at all times. You got a team who's got a conference semifinal ceiling uh, perpetually. And you got a coach that hasn't gotten past that conference semifinals or conference finals since he won a championship a decade and a half ago or whatever it was with uh, Boston. Yes, sir. So, I mean, to, to kind of look at this in from a 30,000 feet view and look at Doc Rivers' situation right now, I don't think much has changed except the area code. But do I buy Doc Rivers getting a fresh start? Yeah. 
I think I'd have liked to see him one more year in L.A. just because, like you said, you know, he tried to be the vocal leader. Clippers, players, whatever, didn't really listen to him, didn't buy in, whatever. Tried to do it their way, lost early. Maybe you get a team that's like, probably not, but maybe after one, you're just like, all right, you guys, you did it your way last year. That's what happened. Let's try it my way this year. I still yeah, don't good think luck. that's what it was. Good luck getting Montrez and good luck getting I don't Paul think George. that's what happened. Also, I got to ask, sort of, with Doc Rivers' question, gonna, like, Mm-hmm. I know he's a, he's a, he's a good NBA coach. He's very well respected around the out around the league, and rightfully so. Mm-hmm. Is he this like franchise changing coach that everybody wants to play him off to be? Because like I, um, I know I he's the, good, but like he's won one title, and that was with the original super team. Like that was a team that a lot of coaches would have won a title with, and it seems like his teams in the playoffs underachieve a lot. I still think he is an elite NBA coach. But I think that the name recognition now exceeds that's kind of the where actual I, production. I don't think his name is up there. Like the name recognition, the the, the clout hey, he gets is Chicago up there with guy. like Steve Kerr, Greg Popovich. I'm not saying I'm not rooting for him. It's just more of a question. Like I, no, I feel like I, because a, he's been around a, so long, a, because he has that championship, because he was coaching in Boston and LA, that he question. gets a little bit like he's better than he is. I think he's a good NBA coach. I'm not saying this great coach is out there on the market now. Um, I, I know you kind of had bounced the idea around earlier of, you know, would you uh, would you rather between Billy Donovan or Doc Rivers in Chicago? And 10 times out of 10 with where our franchise is at right now, give me Billy Donovan to yeah, rally the troops, to build this team, to incite some confidence. Because I feel like the second you bring Doc Rivers in, there is a championship pressure. And that's a mm-hmm. pressure that's not met oftentimes with, by Doc Rivers. Also, I'm so. not sure Doc Rivers is at a point where he wants to be not necessarily no. starting over on a rebuild, but like two years away, three years away from being a team that you might be like think is ready to win. And that's what the it Bulls is are. going to be a clown show in Philly, just as it oh, was. Yes. That's not going to go Los well. Angeles. Apparently, Steve Ballmer wanted to fire everybody. He wanted to release all the players. Love they it. weren't. Doc Rivers wasn't listening to the analytics. Like, like. Well, that's not surprising. Doc's not an analytics guy. Ballmer wanted to literally put the team into a computer and let the computer coach the team. Well, Doc he Rivers owned Microsoft, wasn't so that makes sense. Right? Um, apparently, uh, in in the playoffs, the computer was telling them that uh, Ivica Zubats was supposed to be getting more points than Montrez Harrell, and he kept going with Montrez, and Ballmer was just ready to fire him in the middle of the series. Sure, that's fine. Go hire your analytics guy who will listen to whatever you say and see what happens. Uh, buy or sell, Matt. I, I don't know how to phrase this as a buy or sell, but What's going on with the goalie situation in Chicago? Uh, And and I asked this on the heels of a Robin Leonard extension in Vegas. Uh, Buy or sell Corey Crawford between the pipes, game one, Hawks next season. I feel like I've asked you this question a thousand times on this podcast, but it remains. I mean, it's this question that keeps, I feel like the answer keeps changing more and more. I think I bought it at the end of this year. I, I don't think I'm completely buying it right now. I know they offered him. I think it was one year, three and a half, and by all means, he didn't say yes to that because he's not under contract still. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like the Hawks are exploring other options, one of which was Matt Murray out of Pittsburgh, who kind of fell off a little bit but has the two Stanley Cups. I think they're kind of ready to move on, and if Corey, if Corey Crawford doesn't want to take the one-year or two-year deal at three, $3 million, because I don't think – the Hawks, with where they are in their cap situation, can afford to give him, you know, two years at eight or two years at ten if that's what he's asking for. And as good as he's been here, the, the Hawks aren't really in a position to. It's not. It's they don't have to pay him because they're not really ready to win a cup right now. And you're 
more or less paying him to be a bridge to that. I, I don't think you need to overcommit to Corey Crawford $5 million because you're not in a win-now mode. If he wants yeah. to come back for three while you still figure out your goalie situation, great. If not, you know, it, it's been fun. Go ahead and win a cup elsewhere. We're going to try and find a guy who's willing to either pay, play for cheaper or might be a long-term solution because Corey Crawford doesn't seem like he's either one of those right now. Uh, Matt Rooney, heck of a podcast. Heck of a podcast. That was a good one, I think. I got, I got nothing else for you. I got nothing else for the people. Uh, you got anything else before you say bye-bye? Uh, we'll have we'll have my brother Tim on the podcast next week after the Forest Dunes oh, yeah. match, the win. Uh, that was that was fun. That was an entertaining weekend. Forest Dunes, by the way, I know you're not really in the Chicagoland area anymore. It's a little bit of a hike, but an absolutely awesome facility. Great right, place, have- great couple courses. We'll do a course review. Fun stuff. Full course review coming next week on the Moose and Roads podcast. Going to be an extended edition. But for now, we thank you as always for tuning you playing in. Today? You playing this week at all? Weather, uh, weather good I enough am, up there? I have a suit fitting tomorrow, and that's my last. I was off. For what? Uh, just you need a new suit? Couple yeah, just, uh, you got a guy? Shelby got me a suit for my 30th birthday, oh, and nice. it was uh, it's ready. So now we go try it on, and then they make last final tweaks. What's it? Now, what's it? What, what's what's it looking like? What do we got? Here? Oh, you'll, you'll see it. You'll see it. It's a, it's a, be on it's the ground. Not, it's not the. Uh, it's, it's not traditional. We're not. We're of not playing. It's not we're not playing the. We're not playing the blue gray black game anymore. Right? We got that. We got that oh, area God. of the closet built out. What um, color? Just give me. Just give me a color. Think camel sand with oh, like, like, a, na- no, with like, like a navy window pain to it it's lovely oh, i kind of like that i like the sound of yeah. that a lot i'm excited uh, to see let me get, get me get a picture up on the gram or to me i'd like to see i will i will that said um there will be no golf this wednesday and i am not off until monday so probably plan on monday you, you got to find a way to get to the range still keep that swing fresh hit some balls that's it all right for matt i'm joe thank you as always for listening to this episode 174 of the moose and podcast send us your questions send us the mail back tweet us on twitter get involved we love you thank you For Matt, I'm Joe. We'll see you. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. (laughs) Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.